This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist. I hope you will plan to join me this year at Converge 19. Converge is the great conference put on by Conversant, the sponsor of this podcast, and it's in its fourth year bringing together some of the world's leading companies for two days of dynamic speakers, thought-provoking breakout sessions, and opportunities to connect with like-minded professionals. You will leave the conference with new resources and best practices, allowing you to continue the hard work of driving ethics to the center of your business. In this podcast, we visit with some of the upcoming speakers for Converge 19. In this episode, Michael Rasmussen, the GRC pundit, previews his talk on a SWOT analysis for the CECO. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode of the Converge 19 podcast. Today, I have with me Michael Rasmussen, the GRC pundit. If you have been to any conferences in the past several years, hopefully you've had the chance to hear Michael speak. He's literally one of the top compliance GRC and uh, broader um, ethics and compliance speakers around. So, Michael, first of all, uh, welcome and thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Michael, I was lucky enough to hear your presentation last year at Converge 18, and I just wanted to ask if you could give some of your thoughts on the Converge conference and why uh, you think it uh, can be such a powerful event. Well, it brings together a, a lot of people from a lot of in- industries with a predominant focus on compliance and ethics uh, and, and that particular role and how it's evolving. Um, I love it because it's sponsored by a, a solution provider, in this case, Conversant, but, you know, some of the content is Conversant-focused, but there's a lot of content out there that is just uh, really, you know, about the, the dynamics and changes and drivers and trends that corporate compliance and ethics professionals uh, across different industries and organizations of different size are experiencing. So it, it, it's, it's not like your typical, you know, solution or vendor conference where you're just being fed the Kool-Aid all the time. Uh, there, there are those, those moments of it, which are good, but, you know, a lot of the conference I find is really about thought-provoking and what the future of compliance and ethics looks like. Uh, Michael, perhaps you should have entitled your presentation uh, Back to the Future uh, because it's, it's based upon a blog post you wrote several years ago that had an incredible uh, resonance with the compliance community. Uh, you have looked at that blog post again and revisited some of the questions and issues you raised. So I was wondering with that uh, somewhat long-winded intro, if you might be able to preview for us uh, your uh, upcoming talk at Converge 19. Certainly. Um, uh, I'm actually looking at the uh, corporate compliance and ethics officer, the CECO, uh, and doing a SWOT analysis there. You know, what, what's the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats for the, 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 CEC, the CECO role in organizations? And, and I, I, I mentioned chief ethics and compliance officer, but if it's a chief ethics officer, chief compliance officer, uh, you know, it, it's a lot of this applies to the same. So I'm using the broad term, the chief ethics and compliance officer, the CECO. Uh, so uh, and yes, I did write this a few years ago. And then I had a compliance officer said that it, it uh, had actually impacted them quite a bit in their strategy and their organization and had asked that I um, actually update it. So I reviewed it and updated it a few months ago. And uh, out of the uh, 12 years that I've been on my own as an independent uh, analyst out there, uh, you know, covering the market of, you know, what keeps organizations up at night and how strategy, process, and technology can solve that for compliance problems. In the 12 years, it's become my most popular blog post this year. 
uh, and not just this year, but, but the version this year has become my most popular blog post over the last 12 years. Uh, and, and really, the CECO role is going through a lot of changes. You know, for one thing, we're seeing a big push that uh, the, the compliance program become independent, uh, that it doesn't report and bury, get buried into legal, but it becomes its own uh, um, entity within the organization. And, and of course, Tom, you've talked about this a lot, I'm sure, too, in your podcast and other materials. But just a lot of the consent decrees, deferred prosecution agreements, uh, non-prosecution agreements, corporate integrity agreements, uh, the U.S. Sensing Commission guidelines, uh, the increased focus that compliance be its own function and not just something buried in legal. Uh, as part of that, you know, compliance is dealing, you know, uh, with, you know, its own budgets and it's becoming what I would call the bastion of the organization integrity. Uh, and, and in that context, you know, the, the, the CECO role, you know, if I had to name it, I would call it the chief integrity officer because uh, that, that's ultimately what the, the ethics and compliance is about. It's about the integrity of the organization. But uh, I've, I've been saying this for like 15 years, but the, the, the challenge is we already have a CIO and the chief information officer. So uh, that acronym is already taken. But, but the CECO role is about the integrity of the organization. Uh, we're also seeing that there, there's a lot of uh, greater compliance accountability. I don't see this as much. I mean, it, compliance accountability is happening in the states, but but the the emphasis and the focus that we're seeing on this in other areas, like particularly the United Kingdom, uh, with the UK SNCR, uh, which is a senior managers and certification regime that impacts around fifty thousand firms on December 9th of this year. It's already impacted the top two hundred banks, uh, but anybody regulated by the FCA and PRA uh, in the United Kingdom, it puts senior accountability. Uh, uh, senior executives and directors accountable for compliance uh, in, in the context that there's lack of due diligence um, or if there's negligence, those senior managers and executives can be personally fined. Barclays CEO last year was fined 680,000 pounds, nearly U.S. million dollars, you know, for a whistleblower infraction that, he, that came out of his checking account, uh, not, not Barclays. You know, that's significant. Uh, and, and, and so um, it, it puts a lot of emphasis on compliance uh, to, you know, the, these senior managers. And as a result, I, I've likened it to the, to the um, one ring in Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. I'm a huge J.R.R. Tolkien fan. You know, you have the one ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all and in the darkness bind them. In this case, this is the one regulation to rule them all, one regulation to find them, one regulation in its enforcement to bind them because it puts senior executive accountability and enforcement on a lot of other compliance responsibilities and regulations in the organization. That is significant. What's also significant is it's going around the world. The UK SMCR was the model regulation that Australia used for the Bear Regulation, the Bacon Executive Accountability Regulation. Ireland SEER Regulation, Senior Executive Accountability Regulation, is modeled after UK SMCR. Uh, Hong Kong's Managers in Charge Regulation, Singapore's Proposed Accountability Regulation 2020, all modeled after UK SMCR to put greater accountability and focus on compliance. And so compliance is, is this growing function with greater accountability and responsibilities in a very dynamic and changing business environment. Regulations are changing. Uh, risks are changing. The business itself is changing. And compliance has to address this. And, and so my whole focus on my presentation is how does the CEO, CECO stack up? What are the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats of the CECO in today's modern organization uh, in, in the current environment? You know, the strengths looking at the personal, uh, professional capabilities of, of this role uh, and, and where this role has been in the past and what that role brings to the table. Uh, the, the weaknesses, you know, that this role uh, brings. And, and one of those weaknesses and, and one of the things that, I, that my particular research is focused on is technology. 
Now, the, 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 the chief ethics and compliance officer typically coming out of the legal department, you know, te- technically tends to be a Luddite. He doesn't really understand how technology can be properly leveraged and used in the organization. Uh, and, and so in that context, they, there's, you know, sometimes limited technical acumen uh, within this role. Now, I'm not I'm, I'm characterizing this role broadly. There are great compliance officers that understand technology very much in detail. But, but in general, I find that, that there's a lack of awareness in understanding what technology can deliver and bring to this role. Uh, and, and, uh, and so that's just one of the weaknesses. I, I can't give the whole presentation here. We'd be on here for an hour. Uh, you know, but then, then uh, and so what are the strengths of this role, the weaknesses of, of this role? But then what are the opportunities? While the strengths and weaknesses look at the professional capabilities and the strengths and the professional challenges uh, on the weaknesses, the opportunities are the organization prospects. You know, what can this role bring to the organization? What can it deliver to the stakeholders in the environment? And then from there, looking at the threats, what are the challenges? What's the organization challenges that bear on this role? Uh, What does this role have to do to um, be able to be effective in the organization? What does it have to overcome? So that's a brief synopsis. I'm happy to go into more details if something struck your interest there. But, you know, that's a quick overview of it. So... For our listeners, you have just gotten just the the merest glimmer of Michael Rasmussen. And when you can talk about uh, 1820 to 1830 English history and tie it into J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, you know you're in for a treat. Michael, this has been a great podcast. I, for one, am greatly looking forward to your presentation. And I hope that, uh, some of our listeners will uh, join us both at Converge 19. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you plan to join me for Converge 19. It's going to be a great conference, probably one of the top conferences of this year, both in terms of educational sessions, breakout sessions, and individual moderated conversations. I know you will enjoy it. I have a few discount codes available for complimentary passes to Converge 19. So if you're interested, please email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. You can find out more information about the conference on the show notes that accompany this podcast.